This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to the Podcast Maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Star Trek Picard on Paramount+. Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking Season 3, Episode 2, Disengage. The famous order that Picard always gives. Disengage. <laughs> uh, yeah. Aaron, what did you think of this? Was this episode engaging? You know, I actually was getting pretty frustrated with this uh, episode and the the roughiness of it, and um, I was getting upset. Like I was like, "How are you falling for this Chat GPT interface? You know, handling you and all this stuff." And then mm-hmm. when she was getting handled and she was succumbing to the drug and uh what obviously was wharf came in and started stabbing people i'm like what the fuck this is jumped and then i realized wharf was her handler the whole goddamn time mm-hmm. and when i went back and thought about all the text messages she received and i heard it in michael dorn's like clipped <laughs> dialogue i'm like oh my god it's been wharf the whole time this is kind uh-huh. of amazing and wharf looked badass Dude, and michael wharf dorn hasn't has never looked more badass he's not lost a fucking step like the, the choreography he, on this show is so much better than tng or ds9 frankly that yeah he looked even more badass than ever oh they let him behead people with that <laughs> bat left sure that helps they that never helps. they never let get get you never got away with that in syndication and i'm like that was kind of turned the whole damn episode around the uh, the captain of the titan got the stick dislodged out of his ass he went and did mm-hmm, something approaching mm-hmm. cool uh, uh i i thought um i mean there again it's not like this show doesn't have its uh just just steady flow of stupid shit but oh yeah they really did the nostalgia of seeing Worf kicking ass and like, there's promise of that like picard all of the crew that they've added around him or at least Riker and Worf feel like yes these are my old favorites i haven't seen enough from beverly to fully embrace her um, well, they're building but, her up to be something very different than the Beverly we remember, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I, 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 but, but, yeah, I, I was pretty pleased with this episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. So, Vedic, Vatic. I can't. I don't have subtitles, so I don't know exactly. It sounded like Vatic to me. Um, I, I'm a little shaky on this. I get that it's supposed to be like a a con-esque performance here and it like works 90% of the time there are a couple of times where I'm like maybe I just need to settle into this character a little bit because it is a it is a choice of a performance for sure Uh, and I think I'll like it more over time but yeah I I was like 90% into it 
and I think it's going to be a really good villain. If if not like every bit of it hits, I think the the attitude of the villain is going to be really interesting to watch. Um yeah, I'm curious because like you mentioned um I'm trying to think Amanda Plummer. Yes. So Christopher Plummer played the was it General Kang? I forget the name of the guy I in Star Trek so. 6 Undiscovered uh um country. And Amanda Plummer is, of course, uh, the freaky, the the freaky bitch that need to be cooled, cooled mm-hmm. down by by Jules and Vern in Pulp Fiction. Um, <laughs> Jules and Vern. Ju- Wait, isn't it? No, it's, it's not Jules. It, uh, it's uh, Vincent. Vincent. Jules and Vincent. <laughs> Vincent Vega, of course. <laughs> it's close. It started yeah. the V. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. And I, I see a lot of that, that the General Kang or whatever performance in this too. Like the mm-hmm. way, you know, the especially in the him kind of lazily in the captain's chair quoting Shakespeare and shit as he's he's, he's taunting Kirk from behind his cloak. Uh, so there's definitely a little bit of con. There's definitely a little bit of whatever father's playing. Um, and there's the big, the big central mystery of her and the Shrike to me, something that really stuck out. I meant to talk about last week. I'm definitely going to talk about this week is the deflector dish of the Shrike mm, looks mm-hmm. exactly like the deflector dish of the Enterprise D. Yeah, it's got that and eye eye kind of shape to it, and it's the same shape, it's the same color, mm-hmm. and I gotta think it's important in some way, like that this is a modif- like a heavily modified galaxy class star drive section or. Something has gone through a time twist or a Borgification or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was trying to place the ship last time. It could just be an entirely new ship, you know, uh, a Frankenstein of a ship. I think that'd be yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know quite what to make of her like it's always wild when you see a non-governmental or uh, agency have a ship this powerful mm-hmm. like what the fuck is a bounty hunter do it'd be like dogged bounty hunter had you know a a, a fucking super carrier Mm-hmm. Just, just, sure. just, just rolled up to LA with like the uh, the, the the Ronald Reagan class aircraft carrier, or even bigger, because nothing that the that the U.S. has in its West Coast fleet could potentially rival it. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. How the hell? Where did you get this? How did you? How are you allowed? Like, at some point, you had a ship that the the Federation's ships could handle, and they let you get twice as powerful as that. Like, what? But you know, I guess Star Trek. Star Trek occasionally has stupid stuff in it that doesn't make sense, and maybe this stuff will make sense. I don't know. Yeah, there's always a bigger bad. Uh, I, I'm kind of excited to see that. I liked the decisions that sort of Picard is grappling with over the course of this episode. Like it was, I I don't know. What do you think when they they threw a little doubt into the question of who Jack Crusher was with his, never bought his it. history and reputation. Never no, never bought, bought it. it. No, I was like, I was Riker right. the whole time. Come on. You don't see <laughs> this shot. Come on. Look at him. Listen to him. me for God's sake. Obviously he's French. <laughs> he speaks French in an English accent. Just like you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, God, yeah. what a mess. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's I, fine. I enjoy that stuff. I, I like the decision that he's he's trying to make. Right, he's trying to figure out like, am I gonna let this 
person potentially die and save these definitely save these 500 people or am i going to try and save this person i think might be my son well i mean that's the dumb i I don't know about that at the end but like i i do like it when you have the federation uh caught between their principles and their sense of self-preservation like Mm -hmm. do we hand over this innocent person to this horrific system of justice uh, and risk a thousand people or should we give in and you know the crux of that with i also like you know, obviously, Captain Picard or I'm sorry, Admiral Picard and Captain Riker have their <laughs> opinions on it. But you also have like an average Starfleet captain. And yes. like, what would he think about it? And I, I like that, too. And this particular one is a foil to Picard and Riker, who yes. are these adventurers, right? Always willing to charge into danger to save their comrades. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And this guy being and they hint at some. An interesting past for this guy, too. His psychological profile is mentioned in this, but with no real details. Uh, I'm curious how that's going to play out. I, I don't know what kind of guy this was in the past or potentially could be in the future, so that's intriguing. Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff, I think, to like about this episode, uh, which you can say about the last two seasons of Star Trek Picard. There was a lot to like about the first two episodes, and then it just immediately dives off a cliff. But we'll see how it goes. So far, so good. Again. Yeah. And, and they're drip feeding the Star Trek The Next Generation crew. So I think whatever they do in future episodes, we're gonna. it seems like we're going to get one new crew an episode. <laughs> and yeah. that'll keep us going for at least one more episode if you want to bring LaForge in. I was trying to think of where I saw this Captain Shaw before, and I just realized he was one of the uh, American Horror Story players. I know he, for a fact, he was in a summer camp at uh, 1984 season. I was like, yeah, this guy looks so fucking familiar. Where have I seen Mm -hmm. him before? Where have I seen him before? Yeah, he's he's, uh, one of the American Horror Story guys. Yeah, I, I hope they can continue. It seems like, the, do you think that it's like one episode a week they're going to add, like, you know, they're going to add LaForge and they're going to add, and then eventually right around episode seven or eight, they'll have the full crew and then you'll have a, a two or three episode dash to the end. That seems like a nice pacing. Yeah, I mean, who's left in the crew? So you got Deanna, which has to come back in some way. And I think you've so. got LaFour, Jordy. Uh, and that's kind of well, it. Well, Data. Right? You got or a lore, well, I guess. Yeah, lore. Um, I suppose I wasn't counting Spider. him because he's not. At, at he's not point. new, kinda yeah, right. He's yeah. like, whatever. You all know what lore is. Uh, okay, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I I guess that's what is going to happen. Is we're going to have a couple more episodes where we get the crew together, or at least I kind of hope because I don't want we to. Worf hasn't been brought together. He is in the satellite fair, fair. story with Rafi, and they need to connect that to. And that's the thing is like I'm still not entirely sure how the Shrike of everything connects to the portal bomb of everything, mm-hmm. or if it, it it connects at all. I guess it could be um, Vedic. It seems like she collects exotic weaponry to make herself more and more powerful all the time. So maybe she's the one that's that's bought it and like didn't. But like you know, is Jack Crusher an exotic weapon? <laughs> Is it possible that there's something he has that would be... Because he's a weapons dealer. Maybe he has some kind of weapon that she's also looking for. He's not, not a weapons dealer. Yeah. I think that's his side business, um, aside from running medicine. But Yeah, I don't know how much to believe him on that. I mean, 
Beverly confirmed that it's uh, Picard's son, but not necessarily what they were doing. And there seems to be like a a big question mark about who she is now. Is a warlord because like I get that I Beverly would not get her hands it. dirty, but I can't see that she is not doing something that doesn't have a humanitarian mission underneath it. Right. Yeah, I you assume know. I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. I don't think she's just 20, 20 years on having not spoken to any of them. Suddenly a bad guy. Yeah, if you go into a war-torn country wanting to do good, guess what? You're going to have to have armed security and escorts and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you might have to, you know, strictly speaking, break a few rules and laws here. To, but I, I feel like it's going to be something along those lines. But I don't know. I assume. Everything's so morally gray and dark and drab yeah. in, this, in this Starfleet. It's true. All right, why don't we get into the recap portion? Okie doke. Shields up, here comes the ads. Here's what's new in premium content for our club members. This week, Jim's away, so the producer will play. That's right, it's time for another fabulous lunch with Talitha and Aaron. Not only do we have an alternate host lineup, we also are doing it on an alternate day. Lunch will be served on Wednesday. All that, plus the usual bullshit for me, served live or catch the podcast version out later that day. We're about a month out from the kickoff of Badass Fest 6, so get your tickets now while available at baldmove.com slash live. Come watch an outrageously badass mystery film with us. Grab another snack and beverage from the theater's fully stocked bar, then get back in your seat for a live recording of the accompanying podcast. Get more info and tickets at baldmove.com slash live. If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content, plus ad-free feeds. Addies, Ensigns, welcome back to the Podcast Maneuver. We start off with uh, Jack Crusher trying to land a ship. It's a flashback. He's trying to land a ship on Sanya Prime, I think is what he says, uh, claiming to be delivering medicine. The Fenris Rangers stop him and inspect his cargo, and he bribes them with weapons. But the Rangers call Mach Oomph. The marked woman, I think, is what they're calling her, referring to the facial scarring. Okay, to say that they found him. And obviously, yeah. yes, this is directly relating back to the stuff that we're experiencing in the next scene where we go back to the present day. But uh, Man, I feel like um, TV show writers figured out that Mariposa meant butterfly in Spanish like mm-hmm. 10 years ago, and it's they, they, they are just... Cause, uh, crusher's medical her her medical frigate or whatever it's called is the mariposa apparently yeah yeah so butterfly it's got wings aaron could fly through space yeah i i don't know it's kind of cool i was actually hoping to see we'd get some fenris rangers action like get to load them as a faction better i was a little disappointed that they would turn this guy over to the the shrike lady like i'm not sure how i see the political angles here but sounds like he's wanted by everyone the yeah, Rangers, yeah. the Federation, the Klingons, everybody. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, he's probably stolen supplies from the lot. So. Yeah. Uh, I did like when he's called, he says Mona Me, and he just looks so unreasonably pleased with himself when he does it, too. <laughs> Jack Crusher is a, is a, is a character. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm sure the director told him to look very pleased because the writers sure. were very pleased. Very and want the pleased. audience to be very uh-huh. pleased. Uh-huh. <laughs> See, it is like see, I don't know. Maybe Picard's son. 
Maybe they are having a piss because it it, it just is just always profoundly funny to me that they lean, you know, like that this guy's a Frenchman with an English accent. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, well, maybe, you know, he's Frenchman in the same way I'm German, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's been three plus generations. I don't speak a lick of German. Um, but you haven't been living then, in Germany for generations. But where, then, yeah, he grew yeah. up on an ancestral fucking vineyard in fucking France. Like, mm-hmm. that's pretty French, man. That's pretty French. <laughs> seems pretty French to me. Yeah, seems like it. But uh, they're keeping it going. That Like, this guy <laughs> likes that he's, yeah, he's an Englishman with French affectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we go back to present day, and that big old ship, which we find out is called the Shrike, from the end of last episode still looms uh picard asks who it is but jack doesn't know picard wants to contact him they're they're clearly not here to negotiate they they look pretty nasty um and they decide to move beverly to the shuttle and try and get back to the titan yeah this is a scene where we have a little bit of discussion uh where we find out you know fenris klingon starfleet everybody wants a piece of jack crusher yeah, I feel like that uh, they could have used a little bit more refining in the script here because, like, you know, it, a lot of times in the next generation, Picard would be minding his own business on Enterprise D and some alien ship would warp in and they would either uh, it either sit there or it open hailing and tell them what it want or rarely it would come in and blast them with some photon torpedoes and phasers to let them know to mean business and immediately hail them. Mm-hmm. I've never before seen a ship just sit there for like five minutes to give a dramatic pause for the main characters who have never met each other to like have an info dump Mm. and then open fire and then wait another three minutes and then hail. Like Uh many times in this episode, I'm like, why is the Shrike just sitting there? And then wait longer and then try to accomplish their mission by beaming Jack Crusher out. And it's it's also an old Star Trek trope where the villain will be you have one hour to mm-hmm. prepare mm-hmm. yourselves for whatever. And then you give the time that that gives this like applause and they do get around to this. But it's like I feel like they should have she should have jumped in, hit him with a disabling blast and given her six strike strike speech and said, you got one hour to decide what to do with Jack Crusher. But like they didn't do it that way so there's a lot of time where i'm like why is the shrike just sitting there it's not hailing it's not making demands it's just does it take that long to warm up it's 500 weapons i don't know <laughs> sure yeah uh they were trying to decide which weapon to use like i don't know the photons are pretty powerful they might blow it to smithereens right, right. but these but mark fives been... are not pretty not strong enough i mm. yeah yeah uh, analysis paralysis mode. No, and mm-hmm. they should have taken their pick on how they were going to threaten uh, the Titan here, or sorry, the Mariposa, not the Titan, the, the Mariposa. Um, because you can't then have them suddenly remember, oh shit, we have a tele uh, transporter. Why don't we just transport him out onto our ship after like fifteen minutes of sitting there waiting? Mm-hmm. You know, they, mm-hmm. that should have been their first option. The thing is, I don't know how Picard stops that, right? Because he could see the threat and then analyze it and then set up the inhibitors. But you're not going to have inhibitors running all the time. Yeah, I guess you just have the shields seems... up. You have the shields up. <laughs> right, right. That's the thing. What if you had a shipwide inhibitor? Oh, those are shields. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. They should have taken their pick on that because it felt like they were trying to do everything. 
Although I gotta say, it does seem like you would also have backup inhibitors because the shields go down uh-huh. all the time. But like, if you can, if you inhibit transporter beams with like four boxes the size of an uh, iPhone, like just put those all over the ship, man. Yeah, especially on the bridge. Yeah, at le- yeah, at least hardened areas, bridge, main mm-hmm. engineering. Don't just let them beam into your reactor core or your. <laughs> right. How many? How many fucking times the first time Marines land on the Enterprise, it's always on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Jesus, that's a trick. Yeah, that's a that's rough. Or build them in. See if you could build them into the communicators. Like if all of the bridge <laughs> yeah. crew were wearing one of those, I think it would create a field that yeah you couldn't beam into. Really, mm-hmm. any part of the ship if everyone were wearing those. That might be tough if you have to coordinate everybody turning their communicators off if you want to do a site-to-site transport. Like, you know, oh, God, True. Captain Picard's having a brain aneurysm. Let's get him to the med bay. It's too, it's, 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 oh, God, we can't, everyone, everyone's turning <laughs> who, them off. Who, a, a, who didn't turn off their inhibitor? God damn it. Oh, Jesus, Worf's in the bridge bathroom. Someone, ba- <laughs> he's, he's been in there for 15 minutes. Get him to turn his copy. Yeah, he's got his comms off. He's, yeah. yeah, he's shy. He's shy. <laughs> uh, over on the Titan, they pick up the hostile ship, threatening Crusher ship, uh, the Shrike again. Seven wants to go save them, but the captain reprimands and dismisses her, choosing to hold their position. This yeah, guy, I mean, man. like, I, I got him on his side though. Uh huh. These two I mean, geezers, it, yeah, got all phaser nuts and went off on their own, stole one of my shuttlecraft. I have five. My first Starfleet. officer probably helped them. Right, right. I have 500 people, Starfleet personnel on this ship. Why the fuck would I risk them for these people who voluntarily went outside of Federation space? Like, it seems like a pretty, you know, it's not the cool thing to do, but it's the sober, appropriate thing for a Starfleet captain to do. Yeah. um, I I don't know. Are you you someone who values your legacy clearly Picard is not right he's somebody who doesn't need a legacy uh this guy may or may not be but I do like the point that seven makes later you look you can either be the guy who heroically saved the two legends or you can be the guy who did nothing as the legends died you know how do you or you can be the guy that warps his little ship in there and gets his nacelles pushed in for sure and everyone dies there's Uh that possibility seven I'm sorry Annika uh (laughs) You yeah, know? you could be the guy who heroically tried to save the two legends sure. and failed and died, sure. and everyone got killed. But at least Can we talk about you the won't two be senile, two senile legends like precipitating this thing. Like maybe they should have not done that. Yeah, you know? Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. You know, history is a fickle thing. But like, I am yeah. intensely curious about why Jack Crusher is so goddamn special. Because if we're we're really mm-hmm. talking about saving Jack Crusher. And Picard mentioned that like she would Beverly would never get all of her friends into this situation if it wasn't to save lives beyond her own. And I got to say, I'm going to be a little disappointed if her and Picard both are willing to risk entire shipfuls of people for their fucking stupid kid. Yeah, it might be that simple, man. It's dumb. I don't know. Maybe it has some some where is the transporting medical supplies? When dumbass Wesley went down to the bikini people planet and he wrecked her flower garden and they were mm-hmm. going to kill him and Beverly Crusher came with tears in her eyes and it's said, Jean-Luc, son. you're not going to let this happen. He's like, prime director. Now he's got 50% of the genetic material. Exactly. Suddenly, 
suddenly we're slow blinking at each other like we're a bunch of house cats and we just suddenly have an epiphany that the boy must be saved. I see. I see how it's going Look, Picard. Wesley had neither an English accent nor French heritage. So what do you expect of the man? Did he have French hair though? That 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 standing wave he had in season that might be two French. three. That that might have been French. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I don't know. The calculus is different when it's your kid, I guess. I guess. Uh, all right. So Jack springs into action, uh, attempting to move Beverly. Unfortunately, the hostile ship opens fire on them. The shuttle is blown apart, and they're trapped on the Mariposa. Yeah. Is it Picard, the one that says there's something familiar about this kid? Or is it Riker at this point? I think it's Riker. Riker, because like, yeah, I, I I have in my notes, you don't say uh, that's <laughs> one of the highlights is Riker's just kind of, you know, s- trying to say the obvious that Picard doesn't want to accept. It, it, someone in the scene does say the obvious, and it's Jack Crusher. He he calls Picard captain and tells him history remembers you with one less pip. And he's 100 percent right. I never think of Picard as an admiral even when I'm watching this show he's Captain Picard to me I know that but like what's Jack Crusher's excuse because for 20 years uh, Picard has existed as an admiral and I get but it he's never like, done anything know. of note as an admiral right like he's been is that true ostracized essentially by Starfleet at this point uh, tried to save the yeah I guess he's been on the wrong side of a bunch of political issues hasn't he well he's been on I the mean, right I'm discounting side he's just the, better, the Starfleet's been on the wrong side of a bunch of moral right. questions in the last 20 years. Right. And I, look, he's got Should far we? more exploits as a captain. And I'm discounting the stuff that he did in the first two seasons of Star Trek Picard, where he basically saved an entire race of androids and all this stuff. And right, like, right, right, stopped right. the annihilation of, of the, the Federation completely. Yeah. But, you know, he's he's thought of as Captain Picard, the guy who was boldly going. Did you notice the name of the shuttlecraft that just got blown up? No. Because it because they sent a hull panel right out of the camera, and if you pause it, you could read it. Um, it's the Savic. Oh, if you don't okay. recognize like that name, that's Savick? that's the that's the lieutenant from Wrath of Khan mm-hmm. and Search for Spock that searches for Spock and finds him. Um, Played by, uh, is it? It was Kirstie Alley in the first one. Kirstie Alley, Robin. Yeah. Curtis, I want to say, is the actor mm-hmm. to play the, the second round. And they wanted to bring... Savick was supposed to be the saboteur from Star Trek VI. The, huh. But they couldn't uh, They couldn't uh, get the, Rob, uh, the Robin Curtis character back. So they recast her as a completely new um, Romulan-Vulcan hybrid lady who was played by Kim Cattrall, of all people. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what the hell Savick did was so famous. She bonded the Picard, the the teenage Spock and kept him from enduring the horrors of Bonfire. And mm-hmm. for that, she was awarded a shuttlecraft name. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, I thought, interesting. Interesting. Deep Star Trek cut there. Yeah. Um, and it might, it, I do get, like I said earlier, a little bit of a con type vibe from this villain it could be you know thematic and kind of playing into that a little bit um who knows Mm -hmm. but yeah we're gonna go back over to rafi this is the first time we see her in this episode her she tries to contact her handler again the handler says starfleet has terminated her investigation because they think they got their guy in this lorak toluco uh 
he's the prime suspect and Rafi doesn't buy it. And she decides I'm going to continue investigating on my own. And she makes a mistake of telling her handler this. Of course, it's going to pay off later and save her ass. But like, who yeah, says she, that to their handler? Well, fine. Dude, this, fuck you. I'm going to go continue to investigate. No, you're just going to get killed by your handler. That's what's going to happen. They're um, going to Jason Bourne your ass. They're going to send yeah. 15 assassins to get you. And you're done. Yeah, no, I I thought this scene was pretty terrible. It's improved slightly the second time when you pretend it's Michael Dorn reading all this. Like, you know, instead mm-hmm. of being like Starfleet has terminated investigation, disengage. Starfleet has terminated the investigation, disengage. Like, it sounds like <laughs> it's it's way better. And uh-huh. I'm like, God damn, this would have been so much better if it's just literally old ass Michael Dorn exasperated talking to Raffi. But they're trying to preserve the surprise. And it's so much it's so delighted me that I kind of have to score. But like, I'm so glad we only had two episodes of this because it her doing this info dump to a tech screen. It's already committing a lot of storytelling sins and it just wasn't working for me. And like you said, like, why would you tell your handler that you're going to defy your order (laughs) before you close? Like what the yeah, what the hell? You're 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 black ops. You're going to get killed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's 170 people oh. died, 118 if you continue. That's right. so fucking... Well, I'm going to uh, continue. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was also really excited to hear that a Ferengi brokered this deal because I thought yes. maybe we'd get a Ferengi, and man, the Ferengi we get is so good. Sneed. I love Sneed. Sneed is cool. Sneed is life. Do you think we'll, uh, do you think we'll get him back this season? I do not. He got beheaded, so right. probably <laughs> right. unless unless we see his head behind another right. Ferengi's couch. Right, he does get beheaded. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. He did. Everyone yeah, gets Worf beheaded. Yeah, takes him episode. out, man. Uh, yeah, we'll talk more about him when we get to that scene because I really like him. But uh, let's move over to Seven trying to convince Captain Shaw to save Picard and Riker by telling him that his choice is to be the captain who saved two legends or the captain who let two legends die. Uh. You're right. There's always the the middle path, the one that gets them all mm-hmm. killed. But I do, I, I do think this is fair. If this guy cares at all about his legacy, he can either be the guy who tried and either failed or succeeded to save two legends, or the guy who didn't even try, the coward. Yeah, yeah. There's and there's and so many a, other options in between. You know, th- that's going to be the headline, right? Captain Shaw, ca- cowardly Captain Shaw does lets Picard and Riker die. And you're not going to get to the nuance where, like, well, that's Picard a hell of a headline. I, that would be the headline, though, right? Did the clone that's of the Rupert Murdoch uh, write uh-huh. write that? Uh, Robert, Robert um, I man, because like the again, the actual situation is Admiral Picard and mm-hmm. retired Admiral, yep, and Captain Riker steal a Federation shuttle bay and take it to non-Federation space. Mm-hmm. On a wild goose chase to save potentially the life of one of their old friends. Yes. That's an easier headline to write. And also, like, is the Titan but the only so person in the area? Like, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm assuming that Federation news is a lot like our news today. But it would definitely be coward, Cowardly Captain Shaw headline. Yeah, I, I, and then I, I don't have see to the evidence. six paragraphs in to get to the nuance and the actual discussion of the situation. And no one does that. I feel like the story they're telling is the Federation is in decline, actually. Like, mm-hmm. the last 30 years, have they have, lo- like, all the war and the, the less Star Trek and more Star Wars have made them harder, stupider, 
more reactionary. So yeah, they probably do have shit whole news outlets, you know, wanting to to screw poor Captain Shaw to the wall. Oh yeah. I mean and, and not all not all of the Federation is like the high lofty gold uh humans, right? Like look at the planet that Rafi is on. There's a lot of underground shit going on. You've got gangs. You've got. And this is in Starfleet space because they have a Starfleet uh-huh. recruiting station, a big exactly. one on, on their planet. So it's not like you can be like, oh, well, this, is the Fenris, yeah. this is the Fenris no. Ranger lawless section of space. No, this is this is this is Starfleet this uh-huh. Federation allowing this to happen. Yeah. So the Federation has problems among their own ranks, but also their citizenry for sure. Uh, all right, Picard's group tries to figure out what to do next. Um, Picard puts transporter inhibitors in place just in time uh, after he figures out that they're after Jack when they try and beam him out of live. Uh, some goons beam on board, but they fight him off. So they're in kind of a stalemate. They can't board the ship. They can't transport him out. So what they do is they tractor the ship, and they're going to bring them inside their dock, I guess. Just then, the Titan flies into the rescue in a pretty outstanding Holdo-esque maneuver here. Um, Badass. Yeah. Picard destroys the transporter inhibitors and the Titan beams aboard everyone from Crusher's ship. Yeah, that shot of... Uh, I mean, like I said, this guy might have a stick up his ass, but he knows how to drive a ship, or maybe Crash LaForge does, because yes, they just... Crash, and the other thing is, I guess I thought this Shrike was a lot bigger, because the Titan is quite a bit bigger than the Shrike. I wonder how far away... The Shrike is. I wonder if there's like a force perspective thing going on Maybe. here. But man, they be, they warp it. They warp. They fucking warp in yeah, right between it just these crash, two ships. It just like blurs in, just like snaps, boom, it's there like a giant knife yeah. separating the Shrike from, and it looks very fucking cool. Instantly, and, and the, the instantly cuts the tractor beam. I gotta imagine the precision of that is hard to pull off. So yeah, all, all props to to helmsman crash laforge because all the crashing all the crashing led up to this so yeah. she can pair she could perfectly parallel park this thing <laughs> but but yeah they 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 jump in right between the two so i think like yeah it's not that big a ship it's yeah. just yeah very powerful it's a yeah. sun crusher-esque right mm. yeah it must be like uh it's small, it's but, small mighty. but mighty exactly mm-hmm. and that's also like um okay these are minor nitpicks, but this is this. I think they could have cleaned this up by. I didn't like the fact that it took them about ten seconds to beam Jack Crusher off of the of the Mariposa. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's like for the dumbest fan. That's like whoa, whoa, whoa. They have to use a sequence to have like Picard setting up the thing, observing the transport, and then finally completing the circuit, turning off, and interrupting it. Like beaming doesn't take that long, man. Mm-hmm. They should have just, like, that's an unforced error. They should have had, like, Picard finishing it, and just as he's about to hit the button, they try to beam, and he could make a, you know, and then he and it instantly cuts it off, and he could make the wry observation about, like, oh, looks like we know. But, like, I don't know. Every, there's something about this. Something about this show continues to feel a little bit loosey-goosey. Like, it's got yeah. a bolt or two that needs to be tightened down. I'm with you. Um... But it was also fun. It's also, like, it, it's in reverse where, like you had this tension of like, well, you've got the transporter inhibitor beam set up and now they're trying to desperately beam you off. And like, 
Riker's like, what the hell is taking so long? Why can't you lock on? Oh, there's some kind of... And it took like several seconds for them to realize that the transporter inhibitor that they just used 30 seconds ago is actually inhibiting them from being transported. Uh-huh. Like, come on. <laughs> come on, yeah. guys. The first thing you should have done when the Titan shows up is hail them and start taking down your inhibitors. Like, yes, get us out of here. Zero confusion about on the Bariposa side of why this mm-hmm. is happening to us. Totally. Eh, it's okay. Uh, we're going back over to Rafi who now goes to see her ex first to ask about their son, Gabe, but also to ask him to introduce her to Sneed, the Ferengi broker on the Daystrom weapons deal. He makes her choose between the two things, and you know what she chooses. She chooses the Sneed of it all. Yes. Yeah. Yes, give me the Ferengi, you terrible mother, you. (laughs) Let's go see. (laughs) Let's go see the Ferengi. It's much more interesting than your son. Yeah, and it's this thing where, okay, so Rafi's baby daddy mm-hmm. owns a bar that does dirty deeds out of the back room, including weapons deals that can beam an entire Starfleet recruiting center into low orbit and drop it back down on the planet. Seemingly. That seems convenient. That mm-hmm. seems very convenient. Uh and for the son to like love the father but hate the mother, though it, it seems like there's not a lot of daylight between their that they they both used to be drug addict crazy people, but the dad got sober when he he had some, but not so sober enough he's going to give up his life of running a bar where they do major weapons deals <laughs> right. that. But, like, but at like, least he comes home to the kid, right? Like that's the thing. He's yeah, he's not out gallivanting around chasing conspiracy theories. But it's like Tony Soprano promising Carm that he's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm not, I'm going to give up to drinking and and the mob life and the and the 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 girls, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the the bada boom, okay, uh-huh. okay, yep. don't take this from me, Carm. I gotta have my titty bar. <laughs> like, it's so it's so weird. I don't know. Yeah. Um. And also this this stuff about like you know what happens anytime you try to solve a mystery, Rafi. Your head goes into conspiracy mode, and that's when the drugs start, and that's when the lie. It's like this is just Homeland. This is this is uh, Claire Dane's character in Homeland. Okay, like once sure. the red yarn bar, once once she gets out the red yarn and starts connecting dots on a bulletin board, mm-hmm. the the grippy socks mental breakdown is not too far behind. But okay, whatever. Absolutely. Um, but also, like, I feel like they just forgot a bunch of stuff in the 21st century about addiction, things that we know in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Like, he's running her down like, you're ch- you're making all, look at all these bad choices you're making, Rafi, directly right, right. leading to all this bullshit happening in your life. Like, goddamn, don't you have a hypo spray that you can just, psh, no one, not addicted <laughs> anymore? Yeah, you've got transporter inhibitors, but not chemical inhibitors that you can right. give to people. Like, right. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate that they just didn't put the money into the research. But if we roll with all that, the the final point, because she's like, because also like Rafi always seems like she's a huge piece of shit and uh, like she doesn't respect her son's boundaries. She's clearly trampled over them again and again and again. And her her his dad points this out. It's like the reason that this your son continues to reject you is because he remembers what you're like when you're you know, you might be clean and sober right now, but he's still not. That makes that makes sense. But then it's like, yeah, it seemed it seemed wild to me that he's like, well, I can I I can arrange you a talk with your son 
or the f- Ferengi, but I can't do both. And she just just stun locks on that. Mm-hmm. She's yeah, like she, blue she screens. Makes her choice. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty yeah. obvious what she's going to choose there. Sneed. Uh, Fuck yeah. yeah. It's it's you know it's also a little rough to say, hey, you always go down these conspiracies and spiral. Uh, when a lot of the conspiracies we've seen her engage with have been actual real conspiracies, have been right. like Romulan agents inside of Starfleet, Turns have been out, yeah. entire races of androids pissed off at the entire galaxy, ready to Trying kill them to all. Kill like, all biological life, yeah. Yeah, there, there are some conspiracies to be found, and it seems like she finds them, so how much can you really blame her? It's true. Well, Claire Danes was right a lot on Homeland, too. Sure. I guess that's no excuse for not being around for your son, right? The other thing is they've always portrayed Rafi as being addicted to snake leaf, which mm-hmm. <laughs> she's in, she's gone on to enjoy. I guess she, she she's she's on the harder drugs, but she's injecting things now. But like I always like the way they, they like the way they named it and the way they showed her. It's like it seems like it's an analog for marijuana. And I'm like, come okay, Picard, mm. let's settle down. She smokes a little weed to to relax from her job. I don't think this is going to spiral out of control. But I don't know. Snake leaf can bite you, apparently. Yeah. No. First you start vaping doing... it, then you start smoking it, then you go injecting it straight into your eyeballs. It's just it's a bottomless pit. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. All right, Captain Shaw decides he wants to know who's chasing them and why. So they talk with Captain Vedic, who lets them scan her heavily armed ship, then throws Crusher's ship at him, the Mariposa with a tractor beam, to impress upon them how important it is that they turn over Jack Crusher. I thought it's funny that like uh, so she volunteers the lower shield so she can scan her ship. If I were Captain Shaw, I would stick every photon torpedo that I have on my ship up that strike at point blank range before she can raise her shields again. Because mm-hmm. God knows the computer won't automatically do it. The computer's never going to auto. And I know this because <laughs> the ship's computer, I'm sure, saw the strike hurl the Mariposa at the Titan. Uh and did the ship immediately get out of the way? Did the ship raise shields? No, it did not. Shaw had to say, raise shields, take emergency, <laughs> you know, and it's, oh my God, everything, nothing is automated in this show. Nothing is automated. Even though they said, they made a point last episode of everything is more automated than Picard remembers, right? <laughs> right. Oh God, that's even funnier in context because like you got fully automated warp interlocks for going warp 9.99, but mm-hmm, the ship mm-hmm. will happily just sit there and like, well, I, I don't, I, I, might, I might violate the prime directive if I get out of the way of the ship. I don't know. I always felt but, it was so inefficient the way that they, they operate. I, I don't know how else a bridge is supposed to operate because you need someone in command, but like when the helmsman sees this shit happening, this coming at them, do they need to wait for the captain's orders to get the hell out of the way? It seems I, like they I, do. I and I, I've always felt like that was a huge inefficiency. Like you just, your reaction times are nothing or or, or they're not nothing. They're the opposite. They're huge. It's funny because um, I I see this, this captain's point because as soon as she drops her shields, Riker gives the command to scan for weapons like rude. Mm. This is another man's ship. Why don't you let him run the show? Uh, and there's just a laundry list of weapons that I've mostly never heard of. And I, I, I don't, can you explain to me the difference? Between a photon torpedo, which yep. is a missile-shaped object fired at a ship that takes antimatter and matter and puts them together and annihilates them, mm-hmm. and an antimatter missile. Now, on Earth, 
The difference between a missile and a torpedo is one's in the water and one's in the air. This is a fucking space show. They mm-hmm. would all be missiles or all be torpedoes. I don't know what the difference between a torpedo and antimatter torpedo and antimatter missile. Maybe torpedoes don't have tracking capabilities, but missiles do. Do you think real life torpedoes don't track? They're just dumb fired. I've never seen a, a torpedo in Star Trek track anybody. I, this is this is purely my oh, guess, okay. right? Like I'm, I'm just Trek. saying. Okay, okay. Like maybe right. there maybe is some universe. technical difference. I'm I mean I'm certain there's a technical difference in universe. Yeah, but I couldn't tell you what it is. No. Um. So she throws the mariposa at them. I think it's funny that Captain Shaw was flabbergasted. He's mm-hmm. like, can anyone tell me how that happened? And like... Well, you saw it. You saw it, dude. Yeah, like Crash LaForge has to give him a crash course on repulsor technology, apparently. Right. I'm like, look, maybe it's it's kind of amazing that it's a big repulsor. But like, I don't sure. know, man. Like, I... I just thought that was so dumb that the captain is like, how the fuck did they use a beam to hurl a starship at us? Yeah, Picard could have told him because Picard's used this idea many yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. His engineers I mean, know about they, repulsors. Enterprise is also always tractoring this or repulsing mm-hmm. this and doing all kinds of stuff. So anyway, I thought that was funny. Federation captain has never seen a repulsor beam before. Yeah, uh, that's unfortunate. He doesn't seem like an amazing captain then. I don't know. He doesn't know what to do here. He's asking about who Vatic is. Nobody has any real information, though Seven has heard some rumors, but that's kind of it. Uh, he asks about Jack Crusher, and we're going we're gonna to find out more about that here in a second because Picard is about to go talk to him. Yeah. Uh, and they're stuck here. That's the whole point. Is like if we try to run, we're vapor right. because their weapons are better than us. Uh, the ne- we can't call for help because we're in the middle of a nebula and is wrecking our communication system, so we're we're stuck here. Yep, and we probably can't beat this thing in a fight. So, <laughs> good luck. Uh, yeah, Picard goes uh, ask Jacks what's going on. He's reluctant to say anything. Shaw shows up and arrests him for being an intergalactic con man fugitive with a bunch of fake names. Uh. And at this point, Fair. you're supposed to wonder, is Jack Crusher a fake name? Because he apparently has a thing for JCs. Uh, Shaw relieves Seven of Duty for insubordination, and he's going to give Jack to Vedic, but he gives Picard 30 minutes to talk with Jack. For some reason, it takes an hour to prep a prisoner for transfer when you could literally do it in four seconds with a transporter. Well, she gives them an hour to decide, and he's, he's essentially, you have Seems a subset like he's made of that up his to mind. try to... Yeah, yeah. But he's, I guess, out of respect and also to keep Seven from just mutinying. And he clearly couldn't handle that. Like, she could take over the ship like that. Uh, he's he's giving <laughs> okay. an hour. He's giving an hour for them to figure out. Or he, I like how he said it. It's like, you have, a, you have um, she gave us an hour. I'm giving you 30 to prepare him for departure, which essentially says you need to get this kid ready to ship over to the other side. If you figure something else out, then maybe. But, like, I think he has made a decision. Yeah, oh, totally. Um. Yeah. So, what was your what was your feeling on this? Um, while watching it before, I, I don't know. It seems it sounds like to me you were pretty certain that this was actually Jack Crusher from the get go. Here, they, when they, they start doing up, like Johnny so, Carson and Jarlos Carvel and all these things, right. I'm like, uh, maybe this isn't. But then, why would Beverly be traveling with this obvious con man? Was she conned? Was 
See, I think if they they I would have I would have halfway bought it if they didn't establish the fact that this Jack Crusher and Beverly were on friendly terms and Beverly tried to save him. Mm hmm. Because, like, they did a good job of setting Beverly up, just kind of swimming in her memory. She has the locker from Jack Crusher, right? That's where he could have gotten the name. Mm -hmm. And she has all these open log file, uh, uh, star log files of his mission. So, like, if they wanted me to believe that this kid might have beamed on the Beverly's ship, taken it over, and hurt her and put her in stasis, and then taken, you know, used it, if they cut that scene where clearly Beverly was trying to protect him, I might have bought it. But, like... Gotcha. Because, they, yeah, they seem like they're setting up so much red herrings for us to believe that. But establishing that they had a relationship and Beverly's trying to protect him kind of blew all the misdirection out of the water. Again, shows a little sloppy gotcha. Joe. Could have been tightened down, and they might have. They might have. But to me, I think they did a good job casting a kid that looks plausibly like a young Jean-Luc Picard, or at least yeah, chip off the old ish. block. And he's talking pigeon French in an English accent. Boom. <laughs> How do you think Wesley feels about having a brother named after his dead father? I would like to get his traveling ass down and find out, honestly. Yeah. 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 Oh, I wasn't good enough to be a Jack Crusher? I'm, <laughs> right. I'm Wesley. Wesley gets to wear shapeless, mm -hmm. sexless sweaters. Jack Crusher gets form-fitting <laughs> uniforms and gets Look the... at Jack Crusher's hair. It's gorgeous. Are you kidding me? Wesley got this shit. Yeah, I can't even date a shape-shifting hot teenage lady and Jack Crusher is out gallivanting with pirates and rangers and running from clay. What the fuck, Mom? You mm -hmm. got cool. You got cool. Uh, the second kid, it goes to hell. You just stop caring. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, we move on to Picard. Um, he's been ignoring the obvious possibility that Jack is his son and Riker you know, is asking him, why, why, man? Come on, don't you see it? Picard then goes to the brig to talk to Jack. He asks him to defend himself from his criminal record. Jack claims Beverly's been out there doing the same things he has. And Picard doesn't want to hear it and asks him who his father is. And of course, knowing that this is his father, Jack says, oh, I never had one. And they give each other does some he, Does he know that he's Picard's son? I think so. The way yeah, he's I acting in this so. scene, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And then Picard lays out the conundrum he's in and the decision he has to make in the next 18 minutes. And I am starting to really like the guy playing Jack Crusher. I think he's a solid actor. This exchange here he's is cool. very good. I really liked him in Downton Abbey. So I have a lot of affection for his acting chops and, and uh, he's very charismatic and whatnot. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Um and I think this is a pretty strong Picard. Like, uh, for whatever reason, yep. Patrick Stewart chooses to play Picard in, like, as Grandpa Picard. Like, oh, I've got time. I'm so old. <laughs> when I've seen him in, like, when he does, like, TikToks and Twitter and shit, like, he doesn't sound like he's that old of a dude. And I, I know that, like, they're trying to go hmm. for more vulnerable Picard. But I like seeing him where he is, like, you know, really taking it to Jack, Jack uh, Crusher here. You know, yeah, he's asking a pointed question, and and um, this feels like I, Picard of old, if not if not in like form, then certainly in spirit, right? Right. I also like Jack Crusher's line: "Is like currency is currency, and medicine isn't free." Yes, it is. This is the Federation. <laughs> they don't have currency. Everything is free. It's a communist utopia. It's post scarcity. What yeah. the fuck? What have yeah. you done to Star Trek, people? What have you done, to Star Trek? <laughs> Makes you wonder what kind of relationship Beverly has with Starfleet uh, and the Federation. It's yeah, been like 20 years. She hasn't talked to her crew. 
Yeah, this next scene, Rafi's gonna be like, oh, the Feder... It's like, they, they make it seem like the Federation is like Earth in the Expanse, where everyone's stuck on basic, and you're basically a bunch of dirty, filthy, shoeless peasants, you know, uh, just, just milling around, and the lucky few that win the lottery get to be on a starship, and everybody else's life sucks. Like, I... Do you not remember Cisco's dad? Mm-hmm. He didn't do shit. He just like fucked around in a Cajun kitchen in Earth. He didn't have to. Uh, didn't he just kept whatever hours he wanted? Like I, I don't know. It's it's insane to me uh, that I got a guy talking about money and medicine and bartering in the Federation. But yeah, well maybe they're maybe it's because they're not good with the Federation anymore. We'll see. Yeah, could be. We'll see. Uh. Rafi shows up at Sneed's club and the episode starts to get good. Uh, he gets a meeting with him. She loads him up with valuable jewels and claims to be one of Toluco's employees here to ask why he lied about Toluco's involvement in the portal incident. Sneed is smelling a potential ruse here, has her shoot uh, a drug into her eye. I assume it's condensed snake leaf. I don't know. Uh, to prove that she's not Starfleet Section 31 operative, I guess. Uh she yeah, does that's it. when you get the real fiend just goes to right eyeball ocular injection. Uh huh. She does it, but it turns out that was pointless because Toluco's head is actually behind Sneed's couch here. He brings it out. He's going to kill Rafi, but Worf shows up and kills him and his goons instead. And apparently, he has been her handler the whole time. And they don't they don't make this explicit, which I love this. What he yeah. says is, "I told you not to engage." And you get it, right? They don't need to yeah. say like, and as your handler, I'm very disappointed in you or something like that. Um, I think it's very funny that, so he accuses her of being a section 31, mm-hmm. which is like the blackest of Federation ops. This is an organization that will muck about in timelines. This mm-hmm. is an organization that will, de- de- that will generate, uh, develop a mutagenic virus that will extinguish a species. But one thing their fucking agents won't do is drugs. Yeah, hell no. They won't touch this stuff, man. <laughs> they will they, anything genocide. Stronger than caffeine and they're out. <laughs> they they will genocide a whole race of aliens, but they will not. They will not fire up a bowl of snake leaf. <laughs> this, no, this has worked for no. him in the past. Every time he's been like, "I think you're section thirty-one. Take this hit," and they've been, "You yeah, got me. You got me." This is this is you like an me. old. This is like in Starsky and Hutch when the guy's like, "Are you cops? You got to tell me if you're cops, right? Uh, if you tell me, yeah." Like, <laughs> no, I don't think yeah. any of this. I don't think any of this it's works this way, dude. Badger sitting on a bench trying to figure out if he can sell weed to this guy or meth to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, need is essentially skinny pee. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Who do you work for? Tuco. You don't work for him, I know, because I got Tuco's head right here. Uh-huh. Isn't that guy's name? Wasn't it the Romulan's name Tuco? Toluco. It's T- pretty close, yeah. Ah, I see. He just mispronounced it. Mm-hmm. Tight, uh, tight, tight. This show needs is loose, loose, loose. It needs to be tight, tight, tight. I, I like this. I, I like this dude. Yeah, yes, I, I like this Lyca. dude, too. I said Laika, because he's a gangster. Uh, he's, he's a human artifact collector and i think this is a deep space nine reference because he's got a baseball on one of his shelves i wondered if that was one of cisco's genuine like you know because he ascended into yeah. the uh uh the, 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 portal, the wormhole yeah, the gods wormhole. right mm-hmm. so that's probably an authentic commander cisco baseball i assume so yeah that's pretty cool he's got a hand grenade there too yeah, I yeah. It's an, I, I like that he's like I, I, I like old human things because like pressure and time on coal 
those time eventually makes all these things of value you know that you guys are so yeah. sentimental that i guess I that, that, is, that is a weird thing for a species you know like why do you hold on to old things why wouldn't you want new things um i, I don't know that's kind of a neat start and i i don't mind ferengi being money grubbing possession totally. hoard that's their whole Obviously. thing as opposed to the federation but mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I assume the the bottle of beer he opens here is like a five hundred year old Heineken or something. Probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would that would make sense. But the snake leaf infusion, and then fuck yeah, man, Worf. I, I want to say he's gained some moves since TNG, but I think it all comes down to the choreography. Yeah, choreography has just gotten so much better than it was in the early nineties, late eighties. And again, that the, the you can dismember and behead people on streaming services the way you can't at nine p.m. on Saturdays on a yeah <laughs> on a, the Balath work a syndicated was show not nearly as impressive uh, in the old show, but he's yeah. awesome here. Oh yeah, like here's my notes. Uh, she slams a knife down on his hand as she succumbs to the drug, and Worf comes in kicking ass and taking names and all ca- ca- caps. Holy shit, this is awesome. Oh, he looks so awesome. Oh my god, he was a chat GPT. This is so fucking good. He looks so fucking good. That's my notes on this scene. Did you just call him the Chad GPT? Yeah, because I, I realized in real time that it was Worf the entire time, and that like I was like I was hanging all these cascading realizations that I was just... Chad, uh, Chad overdosing on cool. Chad, Chad. GPT. He, oh, you know what? Permission to call him Chad GPT from here on out. I, I love it. Chad GPT. Sports <laughs> <laughs> new nickname. Crash LaForge. Chad GPT. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, again, he just looks and and uh, I've seen Michael Dorn. He kind of looks like an older dude, but man, it just looks like they took 1990s Wharf and glued some. I, I I don't know what who's that seafood dude that trained Kill Bill lady like he's just mm, got this mm-hmm. long flowy silky uh, white hair and batlet and he, he looks massive and yeah I just was yeah, ah I'm so excited yeah. about this version of Worf and what like he's working for section 36 31 now that's that's wild yeah yeah it's awesome uh, let me ask you this. Star Trek, as of late, has diverged on its... Uh, and it's happened before in Star Trek. It's not new. Uh, they've changed the look of the Klingons. How do you feel about Worf looking like Worf when we know that would, in this oh, timeline they actually look very different as Klingons? I would be so fucking pissed if they gave him <laughs> the disco heads. I would uh-huh. just... Or the Enterprise... Uh, yeah, no, fuck that. Fuck I that. That was all stupid anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think yeah. the redesign of the Klingons is cool. I don't have a big problem with it. I like their tech. I like their look. I don't. I really would just be disappointed if they had tried to update Worf. Just let Worf be Worf. Yeah, I agree to disagree about all the new Klingon shit. Like I think okay. I think Klingons came into their own during the motion picture, and they peaked during uh deep you know uh next generation deep space nine and yeah mm-hmm. I, I i did not like i have not liked any of the new klingon shit okay uh I, what do you think I, I have to imagine it's a real trip for people who have only watched disco and picard to see this character yeah they might not even know he's a klingon right now I wonder if there's a person I mean, born alive that's a ballot, real, but... quote unquote really into disco that has never seen a classic Klingon. That and seems is so out of the loop on Star Trek that they don't know who Worf is and like don't know that Klingons used to look like this. Yeah. 
Yeah, like if I showed a football fan a picture of a player from the 50s and they got a leather helmet on, they'd be like, oh, what sport does he play? Like, nah, I don't think so. I think you would roll with that bunch. You know, I I think like maybe 20 years from now, there will be people who don't know what the TNG Klingons used to look like because I bet there are a ton of people who don't know what the original series Klingons looked like. Man, is that even true? That might be true. Like if you if you get like if, if Star Trek would just go away for 20 years and then mm-hmm. come back that you might have a, a cultural gap there. But yeah, I do. Yeah. Do, do people know that the, the, the Klingons used to just have like eyeshadow and pointy eyebrows. I mean, they were like I bronzer. Do, they were but bronzer, like but the original series. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They didn't have like battle, like stomping around in armor and had batleths and shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Red alert. Here comes an ad break. Let's boldly go back to the episode. Welcome back to the podcast maneuver. Uh, All right, we're back on the Titan. Picard and Riker try to convince Shaw to pursue a different course of action, but he's not interested. And they're down to 15 minutes. Um, We can kind of talk about this all in in a piece because like a whole sequence is is kicked off here. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of goes to the very end of the episode, honestly. Do you want to talk about all that now? Yeah, or, let's go okay. for it. So Jack escapes his cell. He uses some device to to drop the shield or the force field around his cell. Riker gives Beverly some wake-up drugs. Uh, Vatic hails the Titan to tell them the name of her vessel, which is the Shrike, and explain that she's going to take everything from them slowly until they give her what she wants. And the bridge gets where the Jacks escaped. They scramble the troops to find him. Seven finds him in the transporter room, apparently trying to hand himself over uh, over to the Shrike, according to Picard. Shaw unlocks the transporters from do just that. But then Riker arrives on the bridge when, with Beverly, who confirms with a look to Picard that Jack is indeed his son. And Shaw says, well, fuck. Resigns himself. He, he doesn't say fuck. A Starfleet captain would never say fuck. Uh, he resigns himself to their fate and begins helping Picard. And I'm pretty sure Starfleet Captain did say fuck in season one, actually. But this guy's too by the book. Was it Rios? I, I think it was actually an admiral. Didn't some admiral say to like stay the fuck out? Of, like it was it swore to Picard in season one. Oh, you're right. In Starfleet yeah. headquarters. Yeah. Nonetheless, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's like saying goddamn in church. Swearing in church. Yeah. Oof. Uh, anyway, Picard hails Vedic and gives his answer in the form of torpedoes, and they run into the nebula as Vedic chases and laughs. Always up yeah, for a good chase. She, she loves it. She loves it. She loves that they've chosen the interesting option. And they run to the nebula. Oh, so straight up, Rathacon is what totally. we're getting into. Getting big Rathacon vibes. Uh, there was something peculiar that was happening in this episode. Oh? Every time Picard would suggest hailing the other ship, mm-hmm. the other ship would hail them. And I don't know if this is a plot convenience because Shaw would never hail the other ship and and mm. they just needed a reason for them to talk or if this is hinting at something else like somehow they have an inside track on what's happening on the bridge there. I have no idea. I have no idea. It was just a weird coincidence. I thought it was funny how seven of nine gets relieved from her duties. Like I think twice in the last two episodes, but she mm-hmm. just still continues doing her job, you know? 
And then he's like, like, you may have just earned yourself uh, your job back. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, I don't think she's lost her job ever. And she's and nor is she going to. Because especially since every time Shaw yeah. big times it with uh, seven, like you look around the bridge crew and everybody's like, oh, I don't know. Bad luck, Captain. Um, I love yeah. the fact that like Riker marshaled for insubordination. I don't think you can get uncourt marshaled just because you did something good. Right. Um, I like how the I, I like how there's this turnabout as fair play. Like how many times have we heard Beverly say, You can't fucking stimulate this person. They need to be in med bay. It's going to kill them. <laughs> and Riker's the one, big dumb Riker just grabs random vials mm-hmm. of hypo spray and starts shooting into Beverly. She's gotta get up. She gotta get up. She's gotta get up and see this. And there's like the Beverly of the Titan, which is wearing a snazzy white uh medical coat. I like that too. All right. I like well, I saw, Beverly's I, light blue, but the, mm-hmm. the the white's classy. And I saw her with a glass of the blue last episode. She she's taken to just like drinking the blue. I oh my god! I wonder if I she, thought that was Romulan ale, but oh my god, she's 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 whipping up the. It's very blue. I should we she's explain this blue. extremely <laughs> niche inside joke? Because there's not if three you're not, digits of people to get it. If you don't know that Worf is supposed to be a Klingon by looking at him, you're definitely not going to get this joke. <laughs> this is a bald move exclusive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you going to explain it? Oh, you want me to explain it? Yeah, uh, yeah. So in Star Trek The Next Generation, there are set decorations. There are these massive vials of, like, blue liquids and red liquids. They're supposed to be just, vials, like, generic. They're, they're like stockpots, transparent. Yeah. Va- yeah, there you go. There Huge you go. vats, acrylic vats uh, of blue and red liquid. They're supposed to be just, like, generic decoration, set decoration, right? Uh-huh. But we've taken to like they're in every scene and they're they're constantly uh a thing in star trek so we're just like it's a joke on like oh which one is she gonna use right because presumably right. these are medical chemicals is she gonna use the blue or the red you know which right. one does this which she hits one you with that? the blue and the blue doesn't cure you oh it's time for the red <laughs> right. hits you with the red it's so reductive i love it uh yeah, so that's the idea. She's taken to drinking the blue. I assume Riker injects her with the blue to wake her up. Well, if she's drinking the blue, to, she's got to be injecting the red. You think so? you got to counteract the blue. More blue won't help. All right. It's like an anode <laughs> and a cathode, right? The blue it got wakes, her, the blue got her right horizontal. You gotta, the red's got to get her vertical. Yep. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, so uh, I do you know what, the sh- uh, what a shrike is? Uh, nothing beyond what they explain in the episode. No, tiny little. They're these little bastard sparrows, but their 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 uh, common name is the butcher's bird because they impale insects and small vertebrates like mice on thorns, barbed wire fences, all anything sharp and pointy. They impale their victims on that to help them get left because they're again they're small little uh, uh, sparrow type things while their mm-hmm. beaks and talons rip the things into small pieces hmm. and a lot of times they'll just like impale shit there to like oh I want to eat this later um, so it's just like really badass name for this vessel it's small it's vicious um, I like it I like it a lot yeah that's suiting um, if you are fans of the Hyperion Canto series, you also will be familiar with a very scary Shrike a science fiction series. Um, but that's probably got nothing to do hmm. with this ship, so I'm not going to go into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought 
And it's like this, the, her her tactic is like t- tied in that shrike that she's essentially going to lop off pieces of their ship one by one until they're forced to surrender. And then they wonder why they didn't do the thing they should have done at the beginning before they, when they still had a working ship. That was pretty badass. What about the idea that Starfleet regulations require you to tell a prisoner how strong the force field holding them is in case I they think, should hurt themselves themselves in an escape? I think that makes sense. Like, you know, like if you got a pacemaker, you might want to yeah. like, hey, I can't I can't be put in the class 20 field. I got a pacemaker, man. It's going to kill me. Well, I think the obligation on then is on like the prisoner to tell you that they have a pacemaker (laughs) it is weird because like i think in tng era this would be but like this era of starfleet i don't feel like right they would do this kind of nicey nice stuff now he is he is on a ship with a captain who is very by the book um i could see sean maybe disciplining his guys for not following these ticky tacky regulations right right so i'll buy it i'll buy it so, so I have a big problem with the DN. It's like, so like uh, Beverly wobbles out on the bridge supported by Riker. She sees Picard. Picard sees her. They both lock eyes and then they both slow blink again. Like you're supposed mm-hmm. you know, like the, the tactic of, of winning a cat's trust, you mm-hmm. know, like you're supposed to slow blink at them. They slow blink at each other for like 60 seconds. And the Picard belays the orders that the captain has just given. Retired Admiral Picard. Yeah. I, he just took retired Admiral Picard and stuffed him into junior cadets quarters last episode. What can retired Starfleet Admiral do? Because apparently they can just fucking commandeer a starship, not for the greater good of the Federation, but to save his singular son. This is, in- yeah. this is incredible to me. I know. I, I, I mean, they laid it out last episode. He has no authority here. Neither does Riker. Like it's not no. his ship. They're both captains. He if ha- anything, he's Sean got authority. moral authority, but Maybe. to all intents Maybe, and purposes, no. Jack Crusher looks like a terrorist, a space terrorist uh-huh. that a bounty hunter is trying to bring to some kind of justice, which might not be the Federation justice, but you're not in Federation space. This guy's crimes haven't been committed in the Federation. Mm-hmm. I just see, like I said, it just seems wild to me that they're risking 500 people for one. And the thing that was the hammer there's the way that the episode wasn't because like the principle of the thing that we just are the Federation and we don't give people over to lawless bounty hunters. It's you're my son and I'm not going to allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. Yeah. And Shaw gets on board. He does he, or is this, he just feel like he has no choice so again. Exactly. Yeah. Retired but, but Admiral. He, what? Yeah. He, he definitely is like just resigns himself to, well, fuck it, I guess. Cause <laughs> this he, he says something earlier in the episode that makes me think if he could get verification that this were Picard's son he would feel differently about the situation and then he gets yeah. that verification and I think that's what you know resigns him to the fate here but I don't know where this soft spot comes from with him I really want to see more about Shaw I want to know what this mention of his apparently storied psychological profile is um because vatic just mentions that he's got some history right right um if that involves maybe something that would say okay this guy's got a soft spot for children or family like he lost something important to him and he doesn't want that to happen to picard in this moment but we just don't know yet i think she's making a snarky reference on the fact he's kind of a pussy 
Like Maybe. she's like, I've looked at Maybe. you and you seem like you're indecisive or you've got mommy issues or something. I don't Yeah, It'd be interesting if this like if they're if they're thinking far enough ahead and they've given this guy a rich psychological profile that would, <laughs> you know, yeah. make all this stuff make sense. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. I'm not counting on it, but I'm also willing I just to know, give him a chance. I just know what would I would feel about if Picard was on Enterprise D and some retired admiral came and tried mm -hmm. to hijack his ship and then tried to pull rank when it found out that his shit son that has been doing illegal Ferengi weapons deals and dealing with the Finnish Rangers, like he puts the entire crew of the Enterprise at risk for the, like, I know what the opinion would be on the next generation of this. And it seems like you're supposed to think this is awesome, but I don't know. Pretty out of pocket yeah. behavior for Picard, in my opinion. Yeah. That's it, man. That's the end of the episode. I do want to. So I, I I mentioned the like the hollow sequence, the or no, I'm sorry, the 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 Lycar, the Ilcars sequence in the credits, mm -hmm. and how like I wonder if it will have implications for the show going forward. Um, that do not seek blame, do not seek anger. That was a message that Rafi got mm -hmm. in this episode from Worf. And I also and noticed it was on when she was researching the event last mm -hmm. episode, it mm -hmm. was written on one of the one of the little ah. windows that pops up there. I noticed it. They also that you saw the Shrike schematic. Um, that's one of the things that they're showing. There's a hollow sequence that says it's simulating 10 forward bar in L.A. and the safety protocols are turned off. Hmm. There's a Titan damage readout, which we see is the exact parts that they got damaged in the Mariposa. Okay. There's a war damage report on a ship called the Constance, the USS Constance, which is constellation class, is a very old uh, hmm. Starfleet uh, ship uh, yeah. class. It was lo lost in action at start date 44002.3, which I don't know how to translate. Um, and I don't know when date. that is in the time stream for the. I don't know what star date we're in currently. Right. Um, there's a write-up of Commander Hansen by Captain Shaw, a disciplinary write-up. Um, okay. So I, I wonder, like, if, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that, like, I... There's this, like, looks like a, maybe a photon torpedo or an engine schematic that has Klingon writing and it translates into Federation. Or, I, I wonder if there's, like, a whole bunch of hints of what's to come in the season or if it's maybe just the first three episodes have elements of that, too, because 50% of these things seem like they've come from the first two episodes. I don't know yeah. something you might want to you know again I think they're gorgeous to just watch but if you want to look at it for like maybe things to come that would be fun too mm -hmm. uh, again we're not doing feedback week to week I don't even know if we will consider it uh, I will plan on like I, I saw we got a smattering of feedback like if something's um, uh, over the first episode if uh, especially if there's any corrections or like easter eggs and stuff I'll probably try to call those out during the episode uh, but if you want to if you want to take a shot and uh, try to get uh, your feedback on the show. It's Picard at BaldMove.com. Uh, if you would like to support us and what we're doing here and get ad-free feeds and more bonus content, uh, you can do that at support.baldmove.com. And if you want to follow along with all the stuff we're doing, all the releases, all the movies and television shows, because we're doing so many now. We're about to start up Yellow Jackets. We're in the middle of The Last of Us. Uh, Mandalorian starts the week after next um there's a lot of stuff we're in the middle of doing we just did a movie review of ant-man and the wasp uh quantum mania we're doing cocaine bear next week and creed three the week after that tons of stuff follow us at twitter.com slash bald move 
that's it for us this week. Until next week, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Disengage.